0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of respiratory distress syndrome found under the pediatric section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. An infant presents with signs of respiratory distress within minutes of birth. He was born at 28 weeks gestation to a diabetic mother. Vital signs are significant for a respiratory rate of 72 breaths per minute. Nasal flaring and intercostal retractions are noted on exam. A diffuse ground glass appearance as well as air bronchogram is noticed on radiography. Let's continue with an introduction to respiratory distress syndrome. Remember that this is the most common form of respiratory failure in preterm infants, and it results from surfactant deficiency, which causes a decrease in lung compliance and atelectasis. In terms of the epidemiology, This is observed in 65% of preterm infants born at 28 to 30 weeks of gestation. Risk factors include maternal diabetes, males are affected more often than females, and being the second-born twin. Moving on to presentation, symptoms are usually present at birth or immediately after birth with symptoms including cyanosis, tachypnea, nasal flaring, and grunting. On exam, one may note a respiratory rate that is greater than 60 breaths per minute, hypoxemia, intercostal retractions, and expiratory grunting. In terms of further imaging, a chest x-ray may demonstrate bilateral atelectasis, an air bronchogram, and a classic ground glass appearance. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about transient tachypnea of the newborn. In this case, the chest x-ray will demonstrate prominent perihilar streaking in the interlobular fissures, and this is due to retained amniotic fluid. Also think about meconium aspiration syndrome. Chest x-ray in this case demonstrates coarse, irregular infiltrates, and hyperexpansion. In the case of congenital pneumonia, the chest x-ray is not useful. In this case, diagnosis is based on utropenia and tracheal aspirate with a Gram stain. Other potential pathologies include spontaneous pneumothorax, diaphragmatic hernia, and a cyanotic heart disease. In terms of the diagnosis, remember that this is primarily based on history, clinical presentation, and radiography. Important things to note include gestational age, maternal risk factors such as diabetes, and mode of delivery such as a cesarean section. In terms of prevention, one should monitor the lecithin to sphingomyelin ratio and glycol. one should also pretreat mothers that are at high risk of preterm birth which is defined as 34 weeks of gestation or less and they should be treated with corticosteroids usually betamethasone in terms of treatment medical management includes intubation cpap and mechanical ventilation which is indicated to maintain adequate oxygenation another option is surfactant replacement this is indicated to increase lung compliance and reduce atelectasis It has also been shown to decrease mortality. Another option is supportive care. Remember that most patients remain hospitalized in the NICU for several days to weeks. Complications related to respiratory distress syndrome include a persistent PDA, bronchopulmonary dysplasia, retinopathy of prematurity secondary to oxygen supplementation, intraventricular hemorrhage, and necrotizing enterocolitis. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, Remember that this ranges widely depending on the degree of prematurity and lung development, and immediate intensive care is critical for survival in the diagnosed case. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to respiratory distress syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A newborn female is evaluated five minutes after birth. She was born at 27 weeks gestation to a 32-year-old primigravid via vaginal delivery. The pregnancy was complicated by spontaneous rupture of membranes and preterm labor. The patient's mother was administered beta and magnesium sulfate upon rupture of membranes, and the amniotic fluid was clear. Upon delivery, the patient initially appeared well and had strong respiratory effort. At one minute of life, the patient's APGAR score was 7 and her respiratory effort had diminished to a weak cry. The patient's birth weight is 976 grams, or two pounds and two ounces. Her temperature is 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 56 over 39. Pulse is 137 beats per minute, and respirations are 68 breaths per minute. On physical exam, the patient has nasal flaring and grunting with intercostal retractions breath sounds are decreased bilaterally, and she is centrally cyanotic. A chest radiograph is obtained which demonstrates low lung volumes, diffuse ground glass opacities, and air bronchograms. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the answer choices are choice one, endotracheal intubation and mechanical ventilation. Choice two, supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and inhaled nitric oxide. Choice three, positive pressure ventilation and surfactant administration. Choice four, supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and intravenous antibiotics. Or choice five, supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and surfactant administration. The best answer to this question is choice three, positive pressure ventilation and surfactant administration. This premature newborn presents with very low birth weight, tachypnea, signs of respiratory distress, and a chest radiograph with diffuse ground glass opacities and low lung volumes, which suggests a diagnosis of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. The best next step in management is positive pressure ventilation and surfactant administration. Neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, or NRDS, occurs in premature infants and is caused by surfactant deficiency which results in alveolar collapse and diffuse atelectasis. The incidence of NRDS decreases with gestational age with the incidence in patients born at under 28 weeks gestation at 90%. Patients typically present in the first minutes or hours of life with progressive respiratory distress, central cyanosis, and chest radiography demonstrating low lung volumes, as well as diffuse ground glass opacities. Beta-methasone should be administered to mothers in preterm labor prior to delivery and initial management of the newborn involves administration of surfactant and positive pressure ventilation. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, endotracheal intubation and mechanical ventilation would not be appropriate as initial management for this patient who may improve with positive pressure ventilation alone. If she does not improve with PPV Intubation and mechanical ventilation may be necessary. Choice 2. Supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and inhaled nitric oxide would be appropriate treatment of persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn, which also presents with central cyanosis and tachypnea. However, chest radiograph in persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn usually demonstrates clear lungs. Choice 4. Supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and intravenous antibiotics would be appropriate management for a patient with bacterial pneumonia. Although bacterial pneumonia would present with respiratory distress and opacities on chest radiograph, it would be less likely than NRDS in this premature infant. Choice 5. Supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula and surfactant administration may be appropriate initial management in a newborn with mild respiratory distress patients with respiratory distress syndrome require positive pressure to force open their alveoli. Finally, a bullet summary. Neonatal respiratory distress syndrome occurs in premature infants due to surfactant deficiency, and initial management is administration of surfactant and positive pressure ventilation. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A newborn male is evaluated in the neonatal intensive care unit one minute after birth. He was born at 41 weeks gestation to a 29-year-old gravid via vaginal delivery. The pregnancy was uncomplicated and the patient's mother noted that the amniotic fluid was dark and cloudy. Upon delivery, the patient had increased work of breathing and a weak cry. The patient's birth weight is 3,946 grams or 8 pounds 11 ounces. His temperature is 97.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 66 over 43. Pulse is 149 beats per minute, and respirations are 74 breaths per minute. The patient has nasal flaring and intercostal retractions. He has notable abdominal breathing with a barrel-shaped chest, and he is centrally cyanotic. A chest radiograph is obtained which demonstrates hyperinflated lungs with patchy infiltrates. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's presentation? And the answer choices are, choice 1, elevated pulmonary vascular resistance, choice 2, inadequate alveolar fluid clearance, choice 3, inadequate surfactant production, choice 4, infection with listeria monocytogenes, or choice 5, intrauterine passage of meconium. The best answer to this question is, choice five, intrauterine passage of meconium. This patient presents with dark amniotic fluid, respiratory distress, and hyperinflated lungs with patchy infiltrates, which suggests a diagnosis of meconium aspiration syndrome. Meconium aspiration syndrome is caused by intrauterine passage of meconium. Meconium aspiration syndrome, or MAS, presents in infants born in meconium stained amniotic fluid. The mechanisms of pulmonary disease in MAS are thought to include airway obstruction, chemical irritation and inflammation, and interference with surfactant metabolism. Patients typically present with the history of meconium-stained amniotic fluid, marked respiratory distress, and chest radiography demonstrating patchy infiltrates alternating with areas of expansion, hyperinflation, and flattening of the diaphragm. Management of MAS is supportive and involves maintaining adequate oxygenation, ventilation, and blood pressure. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, elevated pulmonary vascular resistance describes persistent pulmonary hypertension, or PPHN, which can cause neonatal respiratory distress. However, chest radiograph in PPHN is usually clear, and PPHN would not explain the abnormal appearance of this patient's amniotic fluid. Choice 2. Inadequate alveolar fluid clearance underlies the pathophysiology of transient tachypnea of the newborn, a common cause of respiratory distress in the newborn period. However, TTN is considered a diagnosis of exclusion, and meconium aspiration syndrome would be more likely in this patient presenting with signs of meconium stained amniotic fluid. Choice 3. Inadequate surfactant production characterizes neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, or NRDS but a finding of hyperinflation on chest radiography virtually rules out a diagnosis of NRDS. NRDS typically presents on chest radiograph with low lung volumes and diffuse ground glass opacities. Choice 4. Infection with Listeria monocytogenes can cause darkening of the amniotic fluid, but it would be unlikely in a mother without any symptoms of fever, chills, or malaise. Finally, a bullet summary. Meconium aspiration syndrome presents in infant's born in meconium-stained amniotic fluid. It causes severe respiratory distress, and chest radiography demonstrates patchy opacities and hyperinflation of the lungs. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A newborn male is evaluated 30 minutes after birth. He was born at 39 weeks gestation to a 27-year-old primogravid via cesarean section for cervical incompetence. The pregnancy was complicated by gestational diabetes, and the amniotic fluid was clear. Upon delivery, the patient had strong respiratory effort and a strong cry. His APGAR scores at 1 and 5 minutes were 7 and 8, respectively. The patient now is exhibiting increased work of breathing and is becoming progressively more tachypneic. His birth weight is 3,568 grams, or 7 pounds, 14 ounces. His temperature is 99.0 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 60 over 44. Pulse is 146 beats per minute and respirations are 72 breaths per minute. On physical exam, the patient is grunting with nasal flaring and subcostal retractions. Breath sounds are decreased at the bases bilaterally. The patient has central cyanosis. A chest radiograph is obtained which demonstrates prominent vascular markings around the hilum and increased lung volumes. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's presentation? And the answer choices are, choice 1, meconium aspiration syndrome, choice 2, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, choice 3, persistent pulmonary hypertension, choice 4, transient tachypnea of the newborn, or choice 5, viral pneumonia. The best answer to this question is Choice 4 Transient tachypnea of the newborn. This newborn is presenting with increased work of breathing and progressive tachypnea in the first hour of life, which is consistent with the diagnosis of transient tachypnea of the newborn. Transient tachypnea of the newborn, or TTN, presents with respiratory distress and marked tachypnea within two hours of delivery. TTN is caused by delayed resorption and clearance of alveolar fluid which results in mild pulmonary edema. Chest radiography typically demonstrates bilateral perihilar streaking and hyperinflation of the lungs. TTN is benign and usually resolves by day two of life, and management is supportive. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, meconium aspiration syndrome can cause respiratory distress in the immediate newborn period, but it would be unlikely in a patient with a history of clear amniotic fluid, and a more mild clinical picture. Choice 2. Neonatal respiratory distress syndrome is a disease of prematurity and does not occur in infants born at term. The chest radiograph in NRDS is also more likely to demonstrate low lung volumes. Choice 3. Persistent pulmonary hypertension is a cause of respiratory distress in the newborn period, but chest radiograph typically shows clear lungs. Choice 5. Viral pneumonia is extremely uncommon in the immediate newborn period. Bacterial pneumonia is more common, but usually presents with signs of infection in the mother, which are not present in this case. Finally, a bullet summary. Transient tachypnea of the newborn presents with worsening tachypnea within two hours of delivery, and it is caused by pulmonary edema, resulting from inadequate clearance of alveolar fluid. That's all for this review about respiratory distress syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. A daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.